Hey guys, this is Turner. You've been hearing us talk about Kahi Roasting Company for a while. They're an amazing, small, Christian-owned family coffee roasting business, and they have approached All Out War, and they have given us an amazing opportunity that we never expected in a million years. And this is what they've offered to us. If you love coffee and you love this podcast and you want to help support the work of this podcast, we don't have a Patreon. We don't make money off of ads or anything like that. But what we do have is this unique partnership with Kahi Roasting Company. And what you want to do is go to kahiroastingco.com, click on the support all out war, order your coffee. They'll ship it right to your house in a few days. And 10% of that sale will go back to all out war. Now, look, we're not planning on making a bunch of money off this, but what it does help us do is support the work of what we're doing. It helps pay for our hosting fees and new equipment and things like that. So if you like All Out War and you love coffee, go check out KahiRoastingCompany.com and order yourself some coffee today. And as I always say, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am in the studio, as usual, with Rosie. Hey, what's up? What's up, my man? How you been? I'm good. Awesome. And Rachel. Hey. Hey, everybody. <laughs> That's right. So, Rachel, uh, you survived the hurricane that like just narrowly passed by you guys. Yeah, it completely went around us, and then we ended up driving up to Tennessee and met it there, and it was a huge <laughs> you know, depression by that point, but... Yeah, somehow in Florida, nearly avoided it. Man, well, we were glad we were praying for you guys. That was crazy. Uh, it, at one point, it looked like there was two converging or something. I saw it was it was yeah, pretty insane. <laughs> oh, Basically, what happened? It was 2020. That's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> the murder hornets, the the twin hurricanes, the corona. <laughs> we got it all. Um, riots, but yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just insane. Societal collapse. So <laughs> economic implosion, uh, but good news. We have elections coming up in a couple months, so I'm it should sure be, that'll answer every problem, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, cool. Rosie, what do you know, man? Hey, um, did you know that chimpanzees? <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> I already love this one. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Did you know that other animals are, um, have handedness? You know, like um, humans, I was about to say Americans, <laughs> humans are predominantly right-handed. Right. And okay. then I think left-handedness is like 7% of the population. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, my the, mom. The smart ones. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but yeah, so other uh, animals are also. But what do they do? Like left-pawed, right-pawed, like yeah. lead with their left paw when they walk? or like I'm not exactly they get sure. into a fight, they like... Well, I don't know that <laughs> but much. But a chimpanzee, they're pretty much like humans. Yeah, well, so here's, so m most mice are righties. <laughs> Some are left-handed, though. But how says, do they determine this? I don't know. I'm not a... That's probably by preference, right? Preference and, like, what they lead with and their preferred hands for... I'm just imagining, like, a raccoon or, like, you know, something I think sitting there. They might just ask yeah. them. Maybe they have them they fill out uh, forms. And see which one they pick up the pen with. Oh, there you go. Yeah, when they're doing um, stuff. Anyway, so it says some tree frogs uh, Ooh, like hop those. away from danger in a certain direction oh, over that the makes, other. That makes sense. Okay. But anyway, so that's a thing. Um, but here, so here's <laughs> some interesting things. Uh, it says in 
chimpanzee populations, about 65 to 70% are right-handed. Gorillas are about 75% righty. Hmm. And orangutans are 66% lefty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The orangutans. That's the one with the big orange face, right? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So. You know, I saw the funniest meme uh, to yesterday, and it was basically because, you know, uh, Elon Musk came out with the Neuralink in that pig. I don't know if you guys saw that. They, oh, I didn't see the actual like demonstration of that. Yeah, yeah, I watched part of it, and it was it was pretty. I mean, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm not going to put anything in my head, that's for sure. Mm. Um, but the <laughs> the meme had a chimpanzee. They're like the pig. It's the closest to a human uh, in the heart and all this stuff, you know. And then it just shows this chimpanzee. It's like a chimpanzee face with that meme of that old guy that's like. <laughs> and he's he's like hmm like what about me you know <laughs> and so it was just kind of funny it was you know uh okay so anyways just describing me <laughs> describing memes Descri- i think that's the most boomerish thing dude i'm horrible <laughs> i know i used a meme in my sermon this morning like on slides no i just it was just <laughs> you a, talked about you described a meme i did it was easy it said uh it was really simple <laughs> someone sent it to me and i was like i was joking because i hope it's so funny when you stand in this in the pulpit and you look into the church everyone's distanced and they all have masks on and it's just bizarre it's like some science fiction movie like dystopia or something and i looked out and i said well guys we're in august it's been about eight months of what it would be like if introverts ruled the world and i said so if you ever wondered this is it and uh, everybody laughed because it is funny, you know, the social distancing and everybody, you know. But um, And I said, but someone sent me a great meme, and it said, I wish we could all be like Paul and on the road to Damascus. us. So. Uh. <laughs> That's terrible. It's stupid. That's a boomer meme right there, man. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm almost a boomer. My kids call me a boomer. I'm a boomer at heart. I know. Boomers, man, they're the greatest generation. Don't, don't mock them. All right. Hey man, we have a great episode today. Yes, it's going to be cool. I just want to jump back, in, jump into it. So uh, sit back, grab a kahi coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War podcast. Yes, you are. We're back. Hey, we have an awesome guest. By the way, can I make a special announcement? It's completely selfish. Completely selfish. Can I make a special announcement? Yeah. Uh, I'm so proud. I'm the, the doting dad right now. My oldest daughter, who is just turned 21, released her first album on Wednesday. It's called Am I Dr- Yeah, I know. It's called Am I Drowning or Am I Just Learning How to Swim? And it has already passed a million uh listens in three days wow oh my gosh on spotify that doesn't include itunes i am so proud of her she worked her little tail off to put this album out and if you haven't heard it um just go listen to it it's she was on the podcast she was a guest she was a long time ago she was a guest on the podcast her name's maggie miles for those of you that are listening that would be interested go listen be a fan now you heard it here be a fan now because if you if you wait she's gonna be like taylor swift popular i can tell it's (laughs) she's gonna it's gonna be amazing yeah so anyway so that was my selfish moment but we have a really really great guest i'm looking forward to hearing um all about our guest and this 
a guest comes via Rachel or, you know, we add to the podcast, Rachel, and next thing you know, she's bringing these like five-star guests onto it that we would never have access to. So Rachel, I'm going to just throw this over to you. I'm so excited. Well, it's kind of fun because it's like some solid people that I um, connected with and I thought would really have um, some awesome stuff to share with the listeners. So our guest is named Diane Jago. Um, hi, Diane. Are you here? I'm here. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so um, Diane is the um, author of A Holy Pursuit. How the Gospel Frees Us to Follow and Lay Down Our Dreams. She is actually the founder, her and her husband founded Deeply Rooted Magazine. Um, she hosts the Deeply Rooted podcast. And she recently moved on to Pensacola, so that's how I know her. Um, we connected via Instagram and um, have gotten together, and our family's just really connected. So thanks so much for coming and joining us, Diane. Um, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, not only your your testimony, but just like, you know, how your life um, kind of has shaped what your book is about and the, the mission of the magazine. I think a, a lot of our listeners have probably heard of the magazine, so we'd just love to hear your heart on that um, and uh, how you came to know the Lord and um, how everything else has kind of stemmed out of that. Yeah, um, I guess I'll start with how I came to know the Lord. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I said the sinner's prayer, I think it was like the day before my first day of kindergarten. And um, I believe it was genuine, but I went to a public school for grade school and middle school, and that just wasn't an environment where I really could thrive in my walk with God. Um, I didn't really have a lot of discipleship happening in my church, and so I'd ask my parents, can you please switch me over to a private school? And I was so excited to get into a Christian school, Christian environment. And I remember um, first day of school, we're opening the prayer. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, I fold my hands, I bow my head, and then I realized quickly that there's just a lot of apathy in the classroom. There's a lot of people who have grown up in this environment. Um, no one's actually praying. They're passing notes. And so um, where in like the public setting, I didn't really fit in, and I was trying to figure out my space. Here was an opportunity to be in a small school and just kind of set myself apart and I began to care more about popularity and um, more than anything more than my actual faith and so it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I had a high school English teacher who just really poured into me and about two months before graduation I just felt so convicted at that point that I had been living my life for self um, I had been making decisions to just make myself happy I was like Diane was the Lord of her life not God and so I just surrendered my life to him and decided if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to be completely 100% in. I have to surrender everything, my desire mm -hmm. to be liked, my, my, just all of it. And so that was a huge turning point in my life where because my high school English teacher had poured into me, I wanted to be able to pour into other women as well. And so um, I decided, okay, I'm just going to copy what my English teacher did. So I became an English ed major. Funny thing is, um, I don't like grammar, and I <laughs> I just really struggled with the major. And like oddly enough, I ended up becoming a writer. So I just I love copy editors; they're <laughs> they're awesome. But um, in this in this, um, this I guess confusion of being a college student and trying to figure out what is it that I want to do with my life, I knew I wanted to serve the Lord. I just didn't know how. Um, and I always had a passion and a love for photography. And so I began pursuing wedding photography. I married my husband 
um, Ethan, who is in the military at the time, and um, moved out to Washington State where he was stationed, and I began pursuing wedding photography um, full time. About a year into our marriage, I found out on April Fool's Day that I was pregnant with my son. Um, and it was just a funny day to find out that you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's really not. And I just wasn't expecting it. I got married young. Um, and so it really threw, threw me off course. I have these plans of aspiring wedding photographer. I was starting to get published in wedding blogs because my husband was in the military and he was on constantly away for trips and deployments and whatnot. Um, it was kind of one of those selfish moments where I'm like, wow, I'm grateful for the fact that I have a baby, but I'm also like, what do I do with the plans that I have for myself? And so God really used the season of pregnancy and just the first year of my son's life to really just reveal, like, there's still selfish aspects of me. Just because you get saved doesn't mean that all your sin goes away. It, mm-hmm. it always takes and, and you're kind of righteous because of him, but like you still are you're in your sanctification process. You're working out a lot of junk and he's doing a lot of uprooting and meeting it in your own heart. And so I just had to get to a point where um, I really just sensed him like, he, like basically being like, if you can't be content with what I've given you now, what makes you think that you'll be content when I give it whatever it is that you want? Um, because ultimately I knew the truth that Christ is my identity. It's not in my work. It's not my accomplishments and what I'm doing. It's found in him. And so um, I really stepped back from the photography world and just started um, reading my Bible, like trying to get, I got plugged into a Bible study where we were going through scripture verse by verse. And it really taught me just how to read scripture, how to apply it to my daily living. And so that desire now to read scripture and to pour into other women, it just continued to grow. Um, one day I was sitting, I think I was pregnant with my second child at this point in time. I was sitting on the couch scrolling through Instagram and I saw um, an independent magazine pop up. Um, someone was posting about it and it looked unlike any other magazine I've seen before. There wasn't like a Kim Kardashian on the cover. It wasn't filled with ads. It was just about food and community. And I started seeing it pop up everywhere. So I ordered a copy and it was just beautiful. The paper was um, nice and thick. The design was really minimal. And as I read through the article, so I felt bad because I'm like, man, what is food and community if it's like if it's disconnected from Jesus? If, yeah. if we're doing these, it's just insane. And and so I thought to myself, what if there was something like this on the market that was catered towards Christian women? At the same time, because we were a military uh, family, we moved around a lot. We've been to a lot of different churches, and I was very disappointed in a lot of the churches that I've been to is just the women's ministry. It often felt like an afterthought. Um, it felt more like let's, it was like a social activity. And sometimes we wouldn't even read through the Bible. We'd just be reading from someone's book. And there was one book in particular where the whole like thesis of it was basically a verse taken off out of context. And she was trying to build her argument <laughs> on that. I was tired of the emotion-based material that was being pushed forward. And so I thought to myself, this magazine would be such a cool idea um, if we could offer the clean design, but also the theological depth that I think a lot of women are just starving for. And so it was something that I scribbled into a notebook. Um, Like I said, I was about to have my second child. I knew this just wasn't the right timing. We were moving from California to Fort Benning. And so I just tucked the idea away and decided if, you know, if the Lord wants me to do this, he'll open up an opportunity later down the road. So we moved across country. 
um, moved to Georgia, and it wasn't, I guess, a couple months after getting settled into our home, the idea still remained on my heart. And I asked my husband, Ethan, I'm like, what if we started this thing? What if we did a crowdfunding campaign? And I'm sure many of your listeners know what it, what that is, but in case they don't, a crowdfunding campaign is basically um, just you have an idea, you put it on the internet, you record a video, and you say, hey, I need to raise X amount of dollars for this product. Do you want to support me? And so we opted to do a 30-day all-or-nothing campaign. And so we needed, we did uh, $11,000-ish dollars. Um, and if we didn't, let's say we raised 9000 of that. If we didn't raise all 11000 five day 30, the money would get refunded back to the donors. And I started mm-hmm. off like that because I didn't want to step into something that God didn't want me to do. And so I thought, okay, Lord, if this is something that people actually want, and if this is something that you want me to do, then we'll, whatever the outcome, I trust you with it. I just want to be in your will. And so I think it was by day 20 or something like that. We raised enough money to go to print with our first issue. By the end of 30 days, we had raised uh, $14,000. Nice. And wow. we, print, we printed our magazine. So that was it was huge. It was really exciting to work with um, a variety of authors and stay-at-home moms and pastors, co- all of these people collaborating from all over the country, not knowing who I even am, but us coming together and putting, again, putting together a product that um, encouraged women to be deeply rooted in Jesus. Hmm. So that was kind of the birth of the magazine. Um, and we just printed our 15th issue and released that this past June. So, um, it's been quite a journey. Yeah. Yeah. So then during, Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just uh, wondering during that process, did you have, um, kind of strict guidelines of how you were like the type of content that you were accepting? Yeah. Um, we created a statement of faith from the very beginning. I wanted to be really clear because, and I, and I kind of learned as I go, as I went, because there was that one point where like someone was contributing an article and then I discovered she was Mormon and I'm like, Oh, go read our statement of faith. (laughs) We're not on the same page here. Um, but yeah, filtering through the statement of faith. Um, and then also we have a biblical content review team and right now it's three pastors who oversee this they read through all of our articles and they kick anything back that doesn't necessarily match up with our statement of faith or our guiding principles. Thankfully it doesn't happen that often, but initially I just knew setting that groundwork and having kind of strict guidelines from the beginning would set us up for success down the road. Because if I could just keep it clear and have clear communication up front, then hopefully that would save us any heartache in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing worse than having a contru- content contributor that uh, you have to back out of after you said, "Yeah, sure, come on in." Yeah, man, that's awesome. Hey, uh, so you said something. I just want to jump in here. Sorry, Rach. Um, totally fine. But I'm going to kick it over to you in a second because I know you had a question. Um, the you said women's ministry as you had been traveling around because you were a military family and all that and you said that you were just frustrated with women's ministry um can you elaborate a little bit more on that i know you did say that a lot of times it was just reading a book like a book study from you know which the christian publishing world right now is just a in my opinion obviously a joke i i think there's just so much fluff out there there's not you know anything that's really contributing in theological depth at all but um what were you what was your experience like with that 
Yeah, let me tell you actually about a good experience. This is what I'll start with. When we moved to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, we went to a church, and um, one of the first studies that I joined, it wasn't a Bible study necessarily, but we went through Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, mm. and that was huge for me. We went through, we didn't go, and it's a thick book, so we, we went through the chapters that the pastoral team has selected, mm. but um, just working through some of the, the different doctrines that our church held to, the questions, um, talking about what are some other beliefs or the other sides of the spectrum, that to me was a huge growing point for me. And so I've also, like I mentioned, that one Bible study um, where we were going through verse by verse, we're actually taking scripture and we're not trying to bring ourselves into it, but we're pulling out, okay, who is the original audience? Um, what is the context in which this is written? They're actually doing basic hermeneutical principles teaching that, and then how do you, what are the implications and applications from that? On the other hand, there are, uh, there are women's studies that I've sat through where it's just, they're like, we're going to go through the book of First Corinthians, and we watch a video. It's like 10 minutes long, and then eight minutes of it is a story talking about, I remember one in particular, she was talking about her son buying toys at a store, and she spent the whole time talking about that, and then two minutes talking about the actual portion of scripture. <laughs> and so, then when you get to the question time in these small groups, they're asking you more questions about your feelings. What is something you experienced this week that um, made you upset? And how did God help you through it? Rather than asking questions about the text. And so it's very frustrating when women have real problems. They're going through hard marriages. They're going through loss. They're walking through tough things. And you're coming into a setting that is labeled Christian and it's supposed to be helpful and yet it's almost detrimental because we're not turning to scripture which is the only source that will actually help us and change us and transform us um yeah <laughs> sorry I get passionate <laughs> <laughs> no you we need more of that that's we need that in across the board um I, yeah. I just had a conversation with a buddy of mine he just moved back up here from Texas for, up here to Virginia from Texas and he was just frustrated he said he had a hard time finding a good church and Texas is like yeah. the belt buckle of the Bible Belt, you know. It's like you can't yeah. find a good church there, man. I don't know, but he, you know, it was similar. His his complaint was similar to what you were saying. I just need someone to just be willing to teach the Bible. I don't need mm -hmm. the coffee shop. I don't need the fog and the fog machine, the lights and all that. I mean, that's fine, whatever. But you better, I better walk away filled with God's word, understanding what it means and how it applies to me, not how I, I can be a better my be my best life now <laughs> we always go to that point but you know it's just such an easy target but um i've run into yeah. that uh, several times with women's ministries um or even just small groups that were kind of offshoots of young adults or offshoots of um whatever church that i was going to at the time where we were going over a book but not so much in depth of scripture and it ended up being everyone sitting down talking about their feelings instead of what does the word of God say about this instance and how can that apply to our lives? Um, so it, a lot of times I would just be like, you know, I, I, we had good conversations, but it wasn't actually like digging into the word. And it, a lot of times people were just left aimless because they weren't given that direction of what am I supposed to do with this? You know, and how do I even, go and dive into the Bible um, because we weren't actively like diving into it with correct, you know, uh, in context um, interpretation of it too. Mm. So um, is that something that you found um, 
since then, um, since since your experience then, or is that something you've kind of had to foster and um, and create and cultivate yourself? I'd say it just depends on the churches that we've been to. Like I said, we've moved around so much that sometimes we'd step in and we'd see a weaker area and we'd be able to serve and fill in those gaps. Other times it's already been set up, it's being modeled, and it's been so refreshing to be able to sit and participate in that. Um, a lot a lot of it to me just it seems to stem from a lack of discipleship, a lack of yeah. understanding of how to properly interpret and read scripture. And so whenever we have a chance, especially my husband is super passionate about um, teaching hermeneutics, teaching apologetics, and just equipping the people in the church so that they can go out and, and multiply that. Um, that's been our, our goal and our mission um, as we serve. I um, love your vision statement um, that I found um, just diving into the website. Um, the vision has never changed to point us back to the one who is worthy of our lives, marriages, mothering. It is our hope that we would equip women with tools to grow in their faith. It is our mission to inspire Christ following women into a deeply rooted relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. So I think that's so, that's so empowering to, to show women what their faith and their strength and the source of their, um, just the source of their life and their direction can be um, rooted in. And so many women end up feeling aimless, especially with what the culture is telling them constantly. And even what um, kind of more, I don't know, not seeker friendly, but just the the teachers who are and the, the speakers and the writers who are more so, yeah, they're kind of catering to feelings. They're kind of catering to, um, I think women are very easily led astray, um, uh, to, to just catering to that sensitivity in us to want to be understood and to made, make us feel like we're okay the way that we are when maybe there needs to be some deep heart work and some deep self-work in order to um, become more like Christ. So is that something that um, your book, A Holy Pursuit, touches on a little bit? Because just from reading the, um, reading the book and then reading the, uh, the different um, reviews, I think it's really impacting people in um, how that, well, I, I would actually like for you to um, tell me a little bit more about the book um, for those who haven't read it. Yeah, definitely. I, I do think that that is uh, a mission and a hope for the book. I, I thought to myself, if I have one opportunity to write a book, I'm going to write about the gospel <laughs> and I'm going to write it loud and clear um, just because there are so many, even just the word gospel is so convoluted these days with how people use it. I want to be clear that it is Jesus Christ, it is his life, death, um, burial, resurrection, all of those things that change and transform us. And so when I wrote A Holy Pursuit, it was specifically to the Christian dreamer, the person who um, is seeking God's will for their life, wanting to know whether or not, um, if they have an idea stirring in their heart, what, what they should do if they have a dream on their heart, um, how God should lead in that. And I don't even like the term, like, dream chaser, but it's such a culturally, like, relevant term that yeah. I figured it appealed to people. And so... Um, at the same time, I was just tired of seeing a lot of messaging that would say things like, you know, follow your heart or chase after your dreams. Hmm. Um, if you don't wake up this morning feeling like you have purpose, maybe you're missing out on your true calling. And I often think of mothers whenever I read something like that on Pinterest or Instagram, because I think to myself, <laughs> there is things when I wake up and I don't feel purposeful <laughs> um, with my kids as I have to discipline it and be like consistent with, you know, tie your shoes, brush your teeth, all of the things. And so there's a lot of messages out there. And I know that you guys speak to this in your podcast. Um, a lot of me 
messages in the world that contradict scripture. And so specifically in the, the dream chasing world, how can I point people to Jesus and to help them see, okay, ultimately at the end of the day, I know as a Christian that I'm called to die to myself. I want to serve the Lord. But what does that look like for me? Does dying to self mean I die to my dreams? Um, I And my answer to that is I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer. There are times in life where God calls us to surrender a dream. There are times when he calls us to press pause on one, um, just like he did with me in the magazine. I had the idea, but I didn't start it right away. And then there's times where um, he calls us to follow one. And so just trying to help the, the Christian navigate, what does it look like? And so in one of my chapters, it's called The Servant for Dreamers. I just kind of give an outline of questions to help the person navigate through those things. Because obviously scripture is our our tool that we use to discern those things. But it might not say, Rachel, you know, don't do that startup business. Like it's not going to say that there. So I'm trying to use portions of scripture to help you understand, okay, what are my first callings? As a woman, what are my roles? Um, obviously for you, you're called to be a mother and a wife and to serve in your local church. So how does that play into my dream chasing? Should I be pursuing something right now? If I'm, um, like if I'm not serving in my local church right now, should I be pursuing something? Like, should I be putting my gifts and energy towards that? If I'm not using the local church, probably not. Um, and so there's kind of, uh, questions to ask and to go through to help people navigate what to do. Can I, um, let me jump in. I just want to ask a question. And Rosie, I don't know, I keep I keep jumping in, but if you have anything, you're please. Oh, I will if I Okay. <laughs> I just don't want to dominate. Um, what is, I have two questions for you. What is, first of all, um, how do you measure, like in your situation right now, your your dream, as you were just talking about, was, you know, God placed in your heart that to, to do this magazine. And, and so that was kind of, you know, your quote unquote dream at the moment there. And how, what would be your measure of success in that? What, you know, when you pursue that, how that goes forward? That's a really good question. Cause I actually, I wrote this after talking about um, success and how we need to redefine what success is. I think if I were to answer that from like a worldly perspective, it would be to build this crazy deeply rooted empire where, you know, our subscribers <laughs> insane and blah 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 but what's interesting is that when we started the magazine i was doing four issues a year and then two years into it i realized i can't keep up that pace because um we had moved i had our family was growing and so we scaled back to two issues and then two years later we scaled back once again to one issue now by the world standards that is probably the worst business move to do um why stop why stop a good thing and yet for me my Christian definition of success, I, I rest in the fact that um, my work don't add to my salvation. Jesus doesn't love me more because my sales are doing well or because you know, I'm selling more magazines. And so um, success for me looks very different than I think how most people would answer that. Mm. Initially, a successful, a successful uh, it was successful to... Um, launched the crowdfunding campaign and to print a first issue, but that was kind of our mindset from the beginning. If we can do one issue, we'll see where the Lord takes it. We didn't yeah. know if we would do a second. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at, where success to me isn't my numbers, it isn't my sales. Yeah. Um, it's resting the fact that I'm being obedient to what God's calling me to do right now. Yeah, so what's interesting about your whole your <laughs> your whole message is uh, antithetical to to worldly success. Because you're talking about, you know, dying to yourself, laying down things, and um, not pursuing your own selfish gain. 
And, um, and so <laughs> it's like, uh, that's a message that's just been lost in the church. Um, very few people, I mean, it, I don't want to get on a soapbox, so I'm going to curb myself here for a second. But a lot of times the, the people in the church have been taught and they've bought into this that somebody else does the work. I just give my money and I show up on Sunday um, or I'll do a small group or something. And maybe I'll do a missions trip once a year or I'll hit, you know, um, you know, a midweek or something like that. Um, but uh, so it we've tr- unfortunately the church has trained the people who are supposed to be doing all this ministry work uh, to mm-hmm. let someone else do it. So it's almost like your message isn't going to ring initially with a lot of people, especially if they're looking for that, you know, that uh, psychological comfort, you know, mm. um, message that's so prevalent, you know, the psycho Christian babble or whatever you want to call it. You're okay as you are. Right. God loves you the way that you are. <laughs> right. Uh, Don't need to change. Yeah. What happened to the message of we are utterly sinful and wicked, <laughs> which we are, you know? <laughs> we deserve hell, but we get Jesus. That's that's grace right there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so man. Well, how is the success of your magazine? Just out of curiosity. Um, I, like sorry, we can I be more specific. Like, well, I just has it been received well? Are you are you um, like if you wanted to go back to doing several uh, you know editions a year, could it, would there be um, a market for that with you guys? Yeah, I th- it's, it's doing well in the sense that we, what's really cool is we ship internationally. So we, I think our biggest country that we ship is Australia. They love independent magazines. Yeah. And so we get customers there. We've been able to stock um, our magazine in like small mom and pop shops, which has been really cool. But I'm just in a season right now where I'm really praying through like, what does the future of Deeply Rooted look like? We've been doing this for six years now. Um, and the magazine wow. is great, but there's this part of me that's like, man, I kind of want to venture into Bible studies. I, we launched a podcast recently for my husband and I um, kind of went through like a, a what in series where we talked about what is the gospel, what is evangelism, it's really basic um, things. And so I don't know, it, it, it's kind of up in the air, but my husband also just accepted a position at our local church to be the director of college and young adults, nice. our young professionals. All right. Um, and so also pouring ourselves into that, which has been really exciting. So I'm just down for ministry wherever it is, whether it's online or in church. Um, I'm just yeah, honored to be a part of that somehow. Yeah. Well, if if your husband's called into ministry and, and that's the next step, uh, he, it, it's going to be cool. I'll tell you this, young adults, that was my funnest part of ministry that I did. I did it for seven years and funnest funnest part of ministry I ever did. Um, middle school I did middle school for like nine years um, okay. and that was fun for like six months no <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> no but uh, it's I'm, I'll be praying for your husband because uh, he's gonna have lots of great opportunities um, it's a that age the 18 to 29 18 to 30 year old age is just such a fantastic age to live for Christ you know Um you just you'll never be in that age again where you have freedom, but yet you're an adult. You know, uh, it's just yeah. a really special time for people. So that's, that's such a pivotal time of like deciding what you're going to do, trying to figure out who you are and yeah. what's worth pursuing. Um, that was like my 
pivotal point, honestly, like right when I met you, Turner, was when I was kind of sort of figuring out what direction I was going in. Like the whole year leading up to that was like basically like my breaking point when I, you know, decided to rededicate my life to the Lord and then just trying to devote it completely to him. So meeting you in 2014 and then meeting Andrew shortly after, that was like stepping stone into, um, you know, really trying to find the direction that I was going to go into. But it was very similar to you, Diane, where as soon as we got married, I got pregnant right away and I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting that. And that kind of threw out a lot of my dreams and a lot of my, um, you know, plans that I had all lined up and everything. And I had to really reassess what does God want me to do right now? What are the priorities? Um, Does this mean I have to to completely set aside my dreams or is it just like, are they tabled for now? What is this going to look like? Because I mean, with culture, you're told so many conflicting things depending on who you're listening to uh, of just what's important and what's worth pursuing, what's fulfilling. And that's kind of a hard place to be at because, you know, in a lot of ways they aren't wrong in some ways. Like you do have to work hard for what you want, but sometimes God's leading you into a season where he wants you to rely on him. And that might look like a little bit less or a little bit scarce or even just a little bit more focused than you were before. So I've seen some extremes too of like the self as idol, you know, the extreme (laughs) self-centered pursuit of my dreams and I'm just working super hard and you know you're a believer but you're just like kind of putting relationship and slowness and sabbaths even on the wayside and just working your tail off and then the other side is kind of a ho-hum like no will no dreams kind of apathetic um, dying to self and literally anything even if it's god-given I've seen that too um, by a believer. So it's interesting seeing those two extremes and is there, is there a healthy balance? Like how, how can one discern? And I think that your book does address that, but can you go into that a little bit? Like kind of finding that healthy balance of, um, is this worth pursuing and, um, between me and the Lord, like, what is he calling me to do? Yeah, I think that it, this isn't the answer maybe that most people would expect, but it starts with your relationship with God. And when I have like a young adult that I'm sitting with and she's trying to figure out what her next steps look like, I always ask like, what does your, your quiet time look like? And I don't mean to be like to sound judgmental when I'm saying that, but how can you really know what God wants you to do if you're not spending time with him? If you don't know, mm-hmm. like the God Bible, as he describes himself, what pleases him what makes him upset? Like, how did he react to other people who made decisions throughout scripture? And so as you're spending time in the word, as you're spending time in prayer, which is like just showing people, showing God, Hey, I'm depending upon you. I'm asking you, um, as you're spending time in your local church and your system council, and you're sitting under the word and the authority of your pastor, like he uses those, those gifts to be able to help you make decisions. So, um, I Mm -hmm. wish I could, and give them a specific answer to their specific question of what they should do or whether they should move forward or not. But the reality is it's so personal to mm-hmm. your relationship with God. So will reveal that to you. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 69, which basically says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes mm-hmm. steps. So sometimes that looks like, you know, okay, I've, I've had my quiet time. I've been praying. I've thought counsel. Sometimes it's just, is it the red or the blue car? It's one of those decisions where, you know what, I'm going to put, I'm going to 
say the red car, I go into the car lot. Oh, it's out of stock. Okay, I'm getting the blue car. Sometimes he'll, he'll close the door on us as we, you know, take that step of faith and we walk out. But we have to be able to view the closed doors in life um, mm-hmm. as God's redirection rather than failure. So, yeah. for instance, when my husband wanted to get out of the military, I think he applied to like 60 something jobs because he's like, I just want out. I want to do something. All of those doors closed. Should he have seen those? Should he have viewed those as 62 failures? No, he didn't because he recognized, okay, I, God didn't want me in those. He clearly wants me to stay in the military. And what's super cool is he ended up bringing about things in my husband's life that had Ethan not stayed in, like we just wouldn't be where we are right now. Um, so yeah, it's just, it really comes down to spending time in the Word, getting familiar and intimate with the God of the Bible. And, and in that process, you end up cultivating this intimacy and you end up bearing fruit that you have, mm. love, joy, peace, all of those things so that while you're scratching your head wondering, hey, I really want to do this, like, you can be patiently waiting and you don't have to be yeah. comparing yourself to on Instagram because you're content in Jesus and not what it is that you're pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Elliot has a quote, I believe, that was... Um, had to do with when you were in doubt of what you needed to do or was what to do, like do the next thing, like do put one foot in front of the other step in, continue the right direction. And when God wants to redirect you, he will. Yeah. And I remember being in a place in my life where I had, I probably had like 10 different opportunities I could have gone after. I could have gone to school on one side of the country. I could have gone to go live with friends or family on all ends, I could have gone up to Canada, like so many, I was overwhelmed with all of the opportunities and I didn't know which one was the right one. Like I was kind of paralyzed by, by fear of making the wrong decision. And, you know, is this supposed to be right for my life? And I remember going and talking to my pastor at the time and I was like, I just have all these opportunities and things that I could do. And I don't know which is the right choice. And I don't want to disappoint people. And I also don't want to like, <laughs> you know, mess up or just do something stupid and he's like listen you're not going to be out of god's will by pursuing these things that he's put before you like one thing is not going to be out of his will um he might redirect you if it is something he doesn't want you to be doing but you're not going to be suddenly sinning by choosing one place over the other one job over the other so he was like let's just do the practical thing and go talk to your career counselor at school And so I went to my college career counselor and talked to her. And it was like, wait, it's that simple? Like, just do the practical (laughs) thing. Like, (laughs) you know, talk about career direction. Okay. And I went and talked to her and she had like a specific degree tailored to what I would be great at and what my giftings were and what I already had a lot of prerequisites done for. And it was in um, the northern part of Virginia where I ended up moving and meeting my husband and meeting my church community, meeting you, Turner. So it was it was like everything was so laid out that God was just like plopping it in my lap. Like that one choice, I already had it in mind for you. Here it is. All you had to do was just do the next thing. Just do the wise decision, essentially. And that was like the beginning of just seeing God is so, he's not like sitting there like, judging me like you're making the wrong decision right now or you know know, wanting me to have a bad time or like he's not he's he's actually very kindly like a father in my in my vision of him like just looking at me sweetly you know with twinkling eyes like oh sweetie (laughs) 
you know, you're not always making the most perfect decisions, but I've got you. Just trust me and just keep being in relationship with me and following me. And since then, I've just seen his hand working so intricately with yeah. these different things. And maybe I've had to set some dreams aside for a little while, but being in close relationship with him has required me to kind of lay everything down. And then sometimes things are just given to me because I was there waiting for it and there wanting to be in his will. Diane, I loved what you said about uh, the deep, the, and it's it's so such an appropriate name for your ministry. I'm just going to call it a ministry because it's like podcast, magazine, book, everything, <laughs> uh, <laughs> discipleship, but deeply rooted. And I think that that question of what is God's will is like, at, for young adults in particular, like Rachel, you were at that spot. Um, it's a huge question mark for so many people. But the funny thing is, is that really never goes away, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm almost 50, and I'm, you know, the past three years of my life have been, okay, God, what's the next step, you know, for what do you have for me? And the only way, like like you said, is you, I've got to be connected. I'm not going to be able to really sense the direction of the Lord, the leading, the, the conviction, or you know, the compulsion compulsion of Him, uh, unless I'm connected, and I've got to stay connected in really real and practical ways. And His Word is the most practical way that we can you know stay connected to Him. So I just love that. It's so refreshing for me to hear as as someone who disciples people and, and loves the Word knowing the power that it has it's so refreshing for me to hear that that's what your focus is with with the magazine the book and all of that that's so encouraging thank you yeah it's, it's been something that i've had to learn myself so i'm kind of glad that like my mistakes and the ways like the selfish areas of my heart where god had to like reveal and convict me are able to help people as i put it on the pages of this book um what's interesting is someone actually recently wrote me and i don't think she'd read Yet, but she wrote a question. She's like, okay, well, what about like the good things that I desire? If I'm following the Lord and I'm doing all these things, like what about, you know, longing for a husband or longing for a child and whatnot? And I think the temptation is to be like, okay, I'm reading my Bible. I'm in prayer. I'm attending the church. I've done all these things. Now it's your turn to bless the Lord. It's almost like a calculated thing. And that's where we almost have to like guard our hearts and recognize that God is in control. He's sovereign. And he does what the world and he uses what we would define as the good and the bad to um, glorify himself and ultimately um, to refine us. And so, yeah, I just, I add that in there just because um, we can get into a position. That's how I was. So I'm like, okay, I'm reading my Bible, God, I'm praying now. Like, <laughs> are you going to really help me? And sometimes we can be waiting for a long time. We might not give that answer right away. So um, waiting on the Lord isn't always an instant kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I remember waiting, you know, waiting for my wife, praying for a wife and um, the Lord put it in my heart that I wanted to be married. And I remember he gave me a, a specific verse out of Isaiah. And that was sort of my like promise verse from the Lord, <laughs> which sounds weird to talk about, but it took several years for the Lord to, for me to meet my wife. And, um, and that's like one of the biggest, you know, things in you know outside of accepting the lord your 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 choice of who you marry is probably the second largest decision you you make you know uh without yeah. question so that's a big deal and it should be a big deal but um i remember uh through the phases of that of 
trusting God and then having to lay it down. And I remember there was like this wrestling that I did where it was to the point of where I had to be willing to accept that if he never brought her, that he would be enough, that Jesus would be enough for me. He would meet my needs. He would, he would give me everything I need. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I don't need that to complete me. And, um, and I remember when I finally came to that point, it was like, and it was like soon after that I met her and we met and we were married within 11 months. So, uh, and now we're 25 years in three kids. So it's, it's been, and it's, you know, it's marriage. It's got, it's ups and downs just like everything else. But, but man, let me tell you, um, you can't make someone let that die. Like it's, it's like, you know, when Abraham threw Isaac up onto the altar, you know, <laughs> you got to do that with, with that dream a little bit, you know, that desire. And you got to mm-hmm. be content if the knife hit, plunges through it, you know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta be content. And you like, I think it says in Hebrews in that reference, it says that Abraham knew that he, God could raise him from the dead. So he wasn't worried, mm-hmm. you know, which is such a, insane statement it's, that's a huge <laughs> statement when you think about it but it's just like in passing in hebrews in the hall of faith like yeah abraham you know he knew that god could just raise him from the dead like <laughs> sure you know <laughs> but and that's the thing in one of the chapters i like one of the questions i ask is am i willing to surrender this dream to god so even when you get the dream you still have to hold it loosely you still have to be willing to say like what if the lord chooses to take my husband what if he called me to walk away from this business. Um, for me, the biggest struggle is like the thought of my children. What if mm. something happens to them? And so, you bring up the Abraham situation. That uh, that story always just rocks me in a way where I'm like, man, I would hope I would give the right response, but I don't know. Mm. And it's just God needs that to really um, uproot the things I'm holding on to tightly. So, yeah, when when God does answer. And, and we're able to walk forward with something, even with something rooted, I'm still like, Lord, is this what you want me to continue doing? If not, close the door. And so I think that's something that we have to do with all the things that he's given to us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's all. that's another question I was going to ask you. Um, what does your life as a wife and mother look like alongside the the ministry and the, the dream that God, God has given you? It's really changed as my kids have changed. So I have a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old. So um, when obviously when they were like in diapers and they were being fed and all of those things, like a lot of it was working in between nap times and bedtimes. Um, when my husband would be deployed or off on training, I'd, I'd spend most of my nights working in, in the evenings. And what's interesting is when he'd come back, it would always the dynamic. Military wives would tell me, the deployments aren't the hard part. It's when they come back and they're used to being like independent and having your own. And so I would like one time I made the mistake. I'm like, we're going to plan a retreat, a women's retreat, and it's going to be awesome. So I plan this whole thing while he's on deployment. He comes back and I'm like, man, I have so much work to do. And I realized I can't do this again. And so the retreat was awesome. We had women come from all over the U.S. Um, but it was something where I was like, I can't do that again. So now um, my kids are in school, so I'm working while they're at school. Um, and the book gave me the opportunity to write. And so our family just kind of, you know, shifts around our schedule. But now that he's in full-time local ministry, I'm just so happy to have him home nightly. And we're just trying to figure out what does this new dynamic look like and where does this new really fit into all of this. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, you don't have to say, actually. Are they their elementary age? Yeah, they're elementary. So five, yeah, five, seven, and nine. I don't mind saying they're, oh, okay. they're five. <laughs> Yeah, they're little. That's that's um 
that's a really demanding time too for everybody yeah so yeah that's a the lord's really putting you guys in a in a real stretching uh spot there that's awesome yeah it's cool that when we do the young adults ministry it's like we have angel babysitters around us, so. <laughs> that is nice yeah <laughs> that is nice that's cool man well this is awesome i mean uh i'm really excited for what what the lord has for you and i i'm really i mean look you know, I'm not a woman, but if you're a woman <laughs> listening right now, I would encourage you. And we're going to put all of all of your contacts and uh, how to g- connect with you um, in our show notes. So um, you, if you're interested and you're also on Instagram, I, I know um, yeah, Rachel sent me a link tree earlier today. We'll try and connect that with the show notes. But um, what's your Instagram handle? Um, so Deeply Rooted is at Deeply Rooted Mag, and then mine is at A Holy Pursuit at a holy pursuit for you and then at deeply rooted mag okay great we'll put those also in there but um i want to encourage our listeners to check it out and go get a magazine check out sign up subscribe to the podcast and uh, go buy the book you know she's got three kids and her husband's you know in ministry they're gonna need it (laughs) it's solid no it's a sweet devo like i've been every time i read it i have to like be ready to set aside everything else because it convicts me <laughs> whenever <laughs> I read it. I'm like, oh, that was heavy. I got to put that down for a second and then I pick it right back up again because it's just so good. Like, it's not it's not fluff. And that's what I absolutely love about your book. It's just yeah. so solid. So much scripture just pointing you back to the word with every single statement. So I was going to ask one more question before we close out. Um, in your own life, how do you remain deeply rooted? Like, what tangible ways have you found to remain grounded in truth? Yeah, um, so part of it is just obviously spending time in scripture. I love my morning quiet time. Um, right now I'm going through a study in Galatians, and that's been really fun um, and just hard to, to work through and to do through. Um, but also just filling my mind with, like, I like listening to podcasts. I like listening to sermons, um, reading books. But also just, I mean, other flip side of it is just being careful with what it is that I'm consuming, um, mm-hmm. just paying attention to people that I'm following on social media, the shows that I'm watching, just because even if you don't agree with everything that it is that you're reading or seeing, we're still taking it in and it's still planting seeds in our hearts and minds. So I just have to spend more time focusing on the things that stir my affections for God than anything else. And um, yeah. obviously spending with Christian friends who also build me up. So Rachel, you've been a huge blessing in my life for sure. Oh, <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast with us. And again, I want to encourage all of our listeners to check you out on Instagram. And and you can, I guess, you can get your book at anywhere, Amazon, and uh, probably. Do you have a website as well that they can they can pick it up? I probably should. You can just get it wherever books are sold. So, yeah. I know it's on Amazon because that was on your link tree when I clicked through. So, you can get it there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I always like to try and push if you have a personal website because then you can probably make a little bit more uh, from the profit from the book. <laughs> yeah, I need to set that up. It's terrible that I don't have it. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I have a. I just when you were when you guys were talking there, the John fifteen popped in my head, and I just want to read that as we close out real quick. It's John fifteen in verse five. Yes, I am the vine; you are the branches. If those who remain in me. Uh, and I and them, they will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And I, that's just perfect. I think that fits well with being deeply rooted, bearing much fruit. It's going to start in that being connected with Jesus. And so I want to encourage our yeah. listeners, get connected with Jesus. You can't, how in the world are we supposed to get through the world today without having something greater than ourselves? I mean, I just, when I look at the culture and all that our world's facing, there's no way I'd want to do this on my own. No way. Like, I, I just can't imagine trying to navigate through what's going on in our world today without Jesus. It would just be insanity. You'd, you'd be doing what the world's doing, which is rioting and hopelessness and yeah. search, mm-hmm. searching for something that is not going to do it. So, but uh, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. And, you know, if uh, we'll get you on again, maybe sometime if you write another book or, uh, you know, if... Uh, if something cool, if you got something cool, just let us know. We'll have you back on anytime. Open door. How's that? Awesome. Thank you so much. This is a great conversation. It's a great spot to be here. Yeah, this is really refreshing. And I think it's going to be really encouraging to um, a lot of the, the listeners that we have. Um, just the people who reached out to me, um, you know, excited about this podcast in particular, but then also just the, the things that they're hungry for. I think this is really going to be helpful in pointing them back to the word for sure yeah awesome well we'll catch you next time how's that sounds good thank you thank you so much take care